Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. God, we thank you for being who you are. Listen, do me a favor while you're resting on your feet. Grab your Bibles real quickly for me. Go with me to the Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew 28. I want to share with you a word from our Lord and Savior on here today. Matthew chapter 28, looking at verse 16. While you're finding it, if you don't remind, repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, looking at verse 16. Before I go any further, I want to say happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Everybody in this building, whether you like it or you don't like it, you are here because you had a mammy. So you need to make sure to take an opportunity to tell them thank you for, if nothing else, the labor that you went through, the nine months that you carried me, the stress that I put you through, all of that, I just say thank you for being my mom. Thank you for loving me when I didn't even know how to love myself. And I thank my mom so much for being a part of my life on today. We find ourselves in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. And this is what the word of the Lord says for the people of the Lord. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Father God, allow your words to flow from my mouth on today. Allow your people to receive what you have to say, and let us grow in every way we possibly can. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated on today. Amen. So we've been in a series for quite some time. Uh, seven weeks to be exact, and today is the last day. Come on, can we thank God that today, uh, y'all don't understand, be the preacher that has to preach this thing. I'm sure this is it. He ain't gave me nothing else. It's a pen in it, point, dot, it's finished. This is the finale to the journey. This is the finale to the journey. So we've been on this series called The Journey, and The Journey has been a complex series that has been very eye-opening. It allowed us to see some things as believers. How do we grow, and how do we, how do we uh, become disciples? How do we become a part of the fellowship? What does it mean? All of these things. We've talked about all those things. I don't have enough time to go over the past six sermons, but I can tell you if you go to YouTube, if you download the app, it's there, and it's well worth you listening to it. Today, we're in part three of part four of the journey. Uh, we're doing part three of part four of the journey. It's like this never-ending story. And so this particular part of the series, The Journey, is the journey to begin. 
This is a series that is designed to empower and to get people to be engaged and involved in ministry, in life, in what God has called you to do. And it's to open up your eyes to understand it's not all just about the church. Yes, the church benefits from your service. Yes, the kingdom of God benefits from your service. But the reality is that everything that we're supposed to do, we benefit from too. And many of us struggle with understanding how to overcome some of these obstacles. So we took this, this series and we dealt with the big three. The big three are the biggest problems that many of us have as believers in the church. And those problems are centered around sowing, giving. Those problems are centered around serving, being involved and engaged. And today we're going to be talking about how it's about, it deals with sharing, sharing the gospel. Us going and talking to other people and being open about our faith and being open to be utilized by God. And so we understood sowing, how it's one of those things that although it deals with your finances, uh, what it really is about is your heart. And it deals with the understanding that you got to be able to release some things that really don't matter in order to learn to release some things that do matter. And so we talked about that great message. Go listen to it whenever you get a chance. So we overcame the obstacle, at least I overcame the obstacle of struggling with uh, sowing. Then the next week we talked about the struggle to serve and how many of us don't understand that it's our, it's our selfish nature that keeps us from serving and how serving actually strengthens us to be the best that we can possibly be. Great message. I appreciate it. I've overcome the, the attitude that I don't want to serve, and so I'm willing to serve. I hope that many other people have as well. Today, we're going to talk about this issue of sharing. Why is it so hard for us as believers to share the gospel? Why is it such a difficult thing and what is the impact of us not sharing the gospel? Before uh, worship started, I ain't going to even lie, I had to go get on that scale. It's just a habit of mine every Sunday uh, to weigh this physique, um, to see the progress that I have made over the previous weeks. I didn't hit my goal. I wanted to lose another 10, but I only hit five. I'm celebrating that. Uh, I just knew I had dropped another 10. And the reason why I'm celebrating that, because pastor usually rock a 3X hoodie, but I can tell you I'm preaching in a 2X hoodie. I'm going to say it's, I am dropping it down. It's getting right. I, had, I was scared to buy the 2X, and I was like, man, if this don't fit, I'm going to be so embarrassed. But I got room. I can, it's not holding me. I'm ho it's, it's right, and so I feel good in my 2X hoodie. I'm doing this thing. So, fellas, if you think you're going to win, I'm telling you I'm in this thing for real. I'm about this life. And so I am losing this weight. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I have to do. And I have no problem with sharing that because I'm excited about it, man. God is doing some amazing things. Every day is not a great day. Some days I fail, but yet and still I get back into it. I got people around me. I got Brother Trey who we, we monitor each other on the watches. I can look at my watch. He partners up with me. I see him starting working, and it instantly drives me to get out there and do something. Sometimes I don't see him doing nothing. I'm be like, Trey, don't worry. I'm going to get mine, and I'm going to text you about yours a little bit later. I, I'm connected, and so I have no problem with sharing this journey, man. God is doing something great. I'm excited about it. But why can't we be that same excitement, have that same excitement to share the gospel? Why can't we have that same excitement when God does something amazing in our life, we get a raise. When God does something amazing in our life, he redeems us. When God does something amazing, why is it so hard for us to, as believers to share the gospel? I love what's happening in Matthew chapter 28 because this is actually um, 
pre-everything else that we've talked about, where Jesus has presented himself to the disciples. And after this, this is when they go fishing. And so our reason why this is so important, because when Jesus gives them assignment to go and share the gospel, for some of you who are already here, you know that I preached the sermon on the go factor and how going represents you got to get over yourself, get out of the church, and get on with the process. I'll help y'all with that a little bit later. Many of us struggle. Matter of fact, I'm going to help y'all with that right now. Many of us struggle with sharing the gospel because we can't get over ourselves. We cannot get over ourselves. We're so caught up in what we don't know, what we think we know. And as a matter of fact, so as a result of it, we can't get out of our own way. And so therefore, we don't move forward. We don't move forward with sharing the gospel because we, we, we hold ourselves back. I can't talk. People are going to laugh at me. And then if it isn't about getting over ourselves, it's getting out of the church because we have come to think that this place is the only place that we can worship. We come to think that this is a place, the only place that people need to know about Jesus. The reality is this is where you get pumped and primed to go back out and tell some more people about Jesus. We should be bringing people in by the masses because we are going out and sharing the gospel. So you have to get over yourself, and then you have to get out of the church, and last but not least, but you got to get on with the process. Just do it. It's going to be so many things that the enemy is going to try to tell you to keep you from doing it, but you got to just do it. You just got to do what God asked you to do. People be like, man, you got some amazing faith. I wish I had faith like you. No, I'm just, I'm just a fool for God. That's it. I'm just a fool for God. If we can be honest, all of us have been in a relationship where we'd have been a fool for somebody. And as a result of it, we would do anything. We would believe anything just because they said it. I don't know what Jesus could tell me, Chris, right now. He ain't said it. And Lord, please don't say it. I hadn't lost that much weight. He can say, you can run through this wall right now. And if the Lord really said it to me, I'm going to run through that wall. Notice I have not ran through that wall because the Lord has not told me that. He has not said it to me. But I'm just saying, that's the type of person I am. If God said do it, I would do it. So I would expect disciples who have seen Jesus do miracles. I would expect the disciples that have seen Jesus be crucified. I would expect disciples that have seen Jesus laid in a borrowed tomb. I would expect disciples who have seen Jesus raised from the dead, present himself to them. I would expect disciples to do what the man said do when he showed them. But they didn't. They went fishing, which led to a bunch of other problems. They went fishing because they, had, they thought that they had to figure out life for themselves. When God has the plan for you, all you had to do was go. Notice that God's plan never changed. God told them when he saw them in the upper room in Galilee, go share the gospel. And then when God encounters them again along the bank after they go fishing and catch nothing until he tells them what to catch, he then says, Simon Peter, do you love me? Simon Peter, do you love me? Simon Peter, do you love me? And still gives them an assignment to go share the gospel. Pastor, why are you saying this to me? Because you can't make God's plan change. I don't care what it is that you do right. I don't care what it is that you do wrong. God's plan is his plan. And one of the greatest plans that God has for us is to share the gospel. That is the greatest plan. People come to church and they're so ready to jump into a ministry. I think we need to make it a prerequisite before you jump into a ministry that you need to tell somebody about Jesus. The only reason I think this is because so many people think that serving as it relates to the church is about you serving in some capacity where you can be seen. Real service begins with you being willing to articulate that God is real, that God has done some amazing things that, you know what, I'm feeling something I cannot explain, and I'm really enjoying it. Man, can I tell you about this man that's making ways in my life that has changed the way I looked at things? I mean, we should be on fire to tell people about who God is. But so many of us, we won't do it. So many of us struggle with understanding that sharing the gospel is about us understanding that God's process 
is about us serving our purpose so that people can experience his power. That's the reality of it. That's what I see when I look at Matthew chapter 28. I see God's process using his people to carry out our purpose to be the voice of God so that what? People who have never known him can be exposed to him and experience his power. When you was back in your old younger days doing your thing, whether you had a pager, a cell phone, or if you was putting quarters in that phone on the block, when you had something that everybody needed to be at, you told them. You told everybody, it's a party over here tonight. Oh, we after we leave that party, we're going to that after party and things. You were so excited. Oh, this food was so good over here. Next weekend, we're going to eat over there again. We have no problem celebrating things that we love and enjoy. Yeah. It brings me back to that question, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these, that you're willing to share the gospel, that you're willing to tell other people. If God asks you for nothing else except to tell somebody else about who God is and what God has done, would you be willing to do it? Would you be willing to understand that part of his process is you serving your purpose so that others can experience his power? Would you be willing to do it. I love when I think about this and I love what I see in the text because it makes me ask the question, if I'm not willing to allow my voice to be used to share the gospel, then what, why am I being silent? Why am I, as a believer, that's to be bold in my faith? Why am I being silent and not sharing the gospel? Why am I not telling people? I've come to understand that there are two reasons that we are silent. Reason number one that we are silent is because we doubt ourselves. That is reason number one why we will not tell somebody the gospel, because we doubt ourselves. See, for so long, people have made it seem like when, when God tells you to speak to somebody that you got to go up to them and you got to tell them, Romans 13 and 8 says this. But the reality is, if you don't know it, how are you going to share it? We put too much weight on us when we say, when we hear God speak to us and tell us, you know what, tell this person that, that God loves you or pray for this person. We put too much weight on ourselves to make us think that we have to be perfect. You think Noah knew how to build an ark? There was never a raindrop that hit the ground. All he knew is that God told him to do it. And the reality is that when you start doing mm, this is going to be too good for you. You don't experience how to do it until you start doing it. Yeah. Yo, ooh, that's tweetable. <laughs> that is real good. You don't experience how to do it until you start doing it. There's a lot of things we have never learned how to experience or we have never learned how to do because we never started to do it. It's amazing that the God we serve, if you really get to know him, you will notice a cadence about him. He tells you one thing that leads you to him telling you another thing. He does not give you the full instructions. There is a step-by-step process, and many of us, we are so busy doubting ourselves that we can never get to the next step. Moses did the same thing. How do you expect me to set people free? I have a speech impediment. Nobody wants to hear from me. I, I'm not elegant with my tongue, but yet and still he sets many free. Because it's not about you being able to speak and articulate. It's just about you being willing to be used by God. How many things have you missed out on because God wants to use you? Because you sat up there and said, well, nobody's going to listen to me. I'm, too, I'm so new to my faith, and I, I've never done this before, and, I, and I'm not good at this. And we spend too much time doubting ourselves. And the one thing I can tell you, if you know anything else, your doubt will always lead to your destruction. 
whenever you doubt yourself, it instantly disables you from moving forward. It makes the time that you spend doubting keeps you at a standstill where you cannot move forward. You want to know why you're so silent is because you don't believe in yourself. And the reason that most of the time we don't believe in ourselves is because we think that we have to be something other than what God has called us to be. Can you not understand that the fact that you have given your life to God is a story enough? Can you not understand that, listen, I don't know how to explain it. I know that one minute I was feeling sad and depressed and I was thinking about killing myself. Or I was thinking about leaving my relationship. But now all of a sudden with Jesus, I just feel so much better. I really don't know how to explain it. All I can tell you is you might want to try him. This is how many miracles happen in the Bible. People came, they got healed, and then they went and told somebody else. And they was like, man, you had leprosy. You don't even supposed to be here. Why are you here? Let me get somebody to check you out. And they don't understand that, listen, when they saw that God did something to them, people ran to him. Can I help you understand? This is why he says all power on heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Can I help you understand when God asks you to do something, you are literally being disobedient when he's asked you to serve. You have literally said, I don't want to serve you. I don't care about what you say. I don't care who made you king and chief. I am not going to honor you. You are literally saying that, God, I cannot be used by you. He has sit here and says, I got all authority. I control everything. The thing that you think you don't got, I control it too. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to open the door. All I need you to do is just take a step. We have to get to the point where we stop doubting ourselves. Because the minute that we doubt ourselves is not us doubting who we are physically, but it's us doubting who we are spiritually, who God has made us to be, who God has called us to be. Because once we accept Christ, we become what? A new creature. We are a new creation. See, the doubt, you're doubting who you were. But the doubting of you doubting who you were are affecting who God has called you to be. And so we have to understand, we have to just as much, as much as we want people to look at us for who we are, we got to sometimes forget who we were. Because the biggest battle that you have in your, heart, in your life is in your head. Your biggest battle is right in your head. Get over yourself. And if you can get over yourself, then you can get on with the process. You can begin to serve what God has, has called you to do. And so the second thing that I want to suggest is when, you, when the issue is not that you're doubting yourself, the second issue that I need you to really realize is that we are afraid of society. I don't know if you'll ever admit it. Most of the time when God has asked me to, early in, my, in, in salvation and ministry, when God has asked me to speak to somebody, I was always afraid of what people were going to say. I was already always afraid that, you know, God was not going to open that door. Somebody was going to laugh at me. Somebody was going to put me down. I can, t- I can share a testimony right now. We are, uh, we've had a, and I don't know if I told y'all this, we had a pledge. I, th- yeah, I told y'all, we had a pledge to purchase uh, a property, 16 acres to build an 18,000 square feet, a pledge that covers the whole thing. Church will not be in debt whatsoever. We're still waiting on everything to come through. They're working on some legal things. I never told y'all the story probably of how it happened, that God laid on my heart one morning to wake up, didn't tell me to just post it on Facebook, literally said, go to Waxahachie Buzz and ask somebody to donate land to your church. And you know, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to be bashed on Facebook, God. Do you not know I built a reputation on her? I don't want people laughing at me and talking about me. I was literally like, I'm not going to post this foolishness on this page. These people are mean. They talk about people at the gas station. I do not want to deal with these people in this manner. But I did what God told me to do. 
I did what God told me to do, afraid. And sure enough, somebody came out and heckled. And that heckle, it could have been enough to make me delete. But you know what? I fed into that heckle. I was like, yeah, you know what, man? They might not give it to me, but if they give it to you, what would you do with it? He told me what he would do with it. I said, well, I'm going to pray that God gives you something too. Only to get a message from an individual saying, hey, we don't have the land, but we want to purchase the land for you. Can me and my wife meet with you and your wife? The reason I tell you this is because there was a blessing waiting on me to be obedient to doing what God has asked us to do. There's a blessing waiting on us to be obedient. How many blessings have you missed out on because you don't want to be obedient? How many times have you been looking for a job and God has said, listen, I need you to speak to this person. Just tell them God loves you. Just pray for them right there. And you are not willing to do it only to not know that that person is looking to hire somebody that has a kingdom heart. How many times have you been praying that God makes a way and opens doors, but you don't want to be used, and so the doors that are being closed in your face is not the enemy closing them. They're you closing the doors only because you don't want to do what God asks you to do. The reason I bring this up, because what we see happen in the biblical text in Matthew chapter 28, Simon Peter and the rest of them are told to go share the gospel. Instead, they go fishing. We find that out in John chapter 20. And then after that, we know that Jesus brings them in, their life has changed, and he goes on to Acts chapter 2. He brings thousands the people to the ministry. The church has grown. He's excited. People know me. I'm no longer known as the one that denied Jesus three times. Amazing things are happening. But what if he would have said, no, Jesus, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to share the gospel. I'm not going to tell people, you're gone again. I feel alone. I feel by myself. I'm not going to share the gospel. People are going to laugh at me. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that Simon took a stand. He was in front of people. He took a stand and he spoke up and he spoke out and he told people the truth about what they were going through. What if God is asking you that I need you to be the truth? I need you to be the light in the midst of the darkness. I need you to, to be the salt that adds some seasoning to something that doesn't have any flavor. I need you. And you keep saying, no. No, I don't want to be used. No, I don't want to be because I'm worried about what people are going to say. Two reasons why we say no. It's because we don't believe in ourselves, and we're afraid of people. The reason why I wanted to share that part with you, because I need you to face the reality the next time you say no. You need to ask yourself, why am I saying no, that I will not pray? Why am I saying no, that I will not tell somebody about who Jesus is? Why am I saying no? Either I don't believe in myself, or I am afraid of what they might say. And the reality is that you are who you are. You need to believe in who you are. The reality is that God has not given us the spirit of fear, so you need not be afraid. So you should be able to speak to that thing. Did you, do you think you're the only person that has an opportunity to, to not move forward with what God has asked you to do? You know, Jesus Christ, when he was in the garden and he was tempted, and he, was, he fasted for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil three times. But every time for the three times that he was, he was tempted by the devil, he answered with the word of God. God's word always counsels out the deception of the enemy. God's word is the only thing that can always counsel out the deception of the enemy. But the reason why many of us can't counsel out the deception of the enemy, because we don't take an opportunity to learn God's word. I'm not asking you to learn it like vacation Bible school learning, but you got to get it enough that you know at least somewhere in the Bible it says this. And if it said it there, I believe it and I can walk forward with it and I understand that. I want you to understand if you don't know anything else, silence is the way that the enemy shackles you. I need you to understand that. that is the, this is the, the whole thing. This is where the meat of the message is right now. Many of us are shackled because we're silent. 
When God has set us free, when God has given us the ability to be who we want to be, to do everything that he's called us to be, many of us put shackles right back on us because we silence ourselves. We allow the enemy to trick us into the point of where we're willing to be silenced. In Acts chapter 2, the reason why Simon Peter's life changes is because he stands up and he speaks up. But what we've seen in previous chapters when he was running and avoiding the cowardness behavior, the silence is what always leads to his suffering. I want to make sure that you understand the reason why some of us feel like we're not progressing, the reason why some of us feel like we're not becoming anything, we don't know our purpose, we don't know our passion, we don't know what God really wants to do with us, is because we have allowed the enemy to silence us. We have allowed the enemy to silence us, and when he silences us, he has shackled us. This is why you're not going anywhere. He has chained you to right where you are. Why has he chained you right where you are? Because maybe I can't get you because you've accepted Christ, but I ain't going to let you get to nobody else. Can I help you understand something right now, that God's plan is bigger than you? It's bigger than your marriage. It's bigger than your job. It's bigger than your finances. And the minute that you understand that it's bigger than you, then maybe you can start serving your purpose. The text shows us that if we're silent, we will be shackled. And, and I would love to go a whole lot, but I'm going to give you an acronym today for the word shackle. Going back to my old school preaching, the acronyms, and, and I believe because these acronyms, this word shackled can help you keep from being shackled. Nobody wants to be chained down. Nobody wants to feel broken. Why would you come from being lost and being in a place where you had so much joy only to be depressed again? That's not God's plan for you. I, I don't know who needs to know this. Did you not know that the devil can get in this building too? Yeah. Did you not know that just because you put all crosses on your front door don't mean the devil can't pry his way in? Right. I, I, I'm just trying to help you because he entered the room with our Lord and Savior, with our Father. He, go, he had to go report. The biblical text says he entered when the sons of God was called and he was, God asked him, where you been? He was telling them to and fro. So he knows just as much about being in the presence of God as you do. And so I'm, 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 I'm trying to help you because maybe you thought that you being saved was keeping you from the kryptonite. I, I'm sorry, it's still there. Sin is still there. It's still after you. You got to learn how to fight that thing. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces and principalities. We have to understand there are things always at work that we have to be ready for. You think that it's your husband that's causing problems in your marriage? No, 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 no. That's the devil trying to use your husband. And he, he is just an innocent bystander. He ain't done that. And same vice versa. We are getting into arguments with one another when we don't understand that the enemy is the author of confusion. It's not God that's the author of confusion. And because many of us don't know how to use our voices for God. When the enemy comes to our face, we don't know how to fight back. The enemy comes and says, listen, you hungry, turn this rock into bread. Many of us, we don't know how to tell them that the word of God says that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out the mouth, mouth of the Lord. And so what we do is we start trying to figure out how am I going to turn this rock into bread? And the whole time the enemy is sitting there looking at you, look at this dummy. He really thought he could turn the rock into bread. <laughs> That's so funny. We're just going to leave him. Okay, he's not doing anything else. He's not Okay, we can continue to move on. Your silence is your shackle. So let me let you know the effects of being shackled. Let me let you know the effects of being silent and not moving forward to honor God. This is the seven principles of a shackle. The first thing that I need you to understand, when you're silent, when we're silent, our silence stunts our spiritual growth. It's the first thing. It stunts our spiritual growth. If you are shackled, 
it means that you are restricted to the place that you're at. You cannot advance any further. The reason why I want to bring this out, because I know so many believers that give their life to Christ and they feel like they're not moving anywhere in ministry. They're not moving anywhere with their understanding of who God is and their relationship with God. And I want to suggest that maybe you need to ask yourself, have I really been used by God in a way that I've been expected to be used by God? And I want you to understand that sharing your gospel is not just about sharing about who Jesus is. It's about sharing your praise. You got to let that stuff go. You got to let your worship go. You got to allow yourself to be used by God. It's sharing your prayer. You got to be able to use your voice to cry out to God in every way possible. But many of us are stagnant because we have stunted our own growth because we've allowed the enemy to silence us. And essentially what we've said is that, you know what? I'm good right here. This is, this is okay. I don't need to be pushed any further. Yeah. I can make a home out of this. And it's not until we find out that God has more for us that what has been acceptable has now become problematic. But you have allowed the enemy to shackle you because you've allowed him to take your voice. You've allowed him to keep you from speaking about who God is and what God's done. Why? Because you're worried about yourself. You're worried about what people are going to say. Your silence has the ability to stunt your spiritual growth. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that have been designed that I want to be the best that I can be. If I would have been old enough to get in the, in the army when that commercial came up, be all you can be in the U.S., I would have been one of the first people because it was like, man, that sounds like a place that was designed for me. I want to be the best I can can be. I was just telling my wife how sad it was this week, and, and I don't know if I'm crazy enough to go back to school or not. I, I don't know. I'm praying about it, but um, I seen all my friends getting their doctorate this year, this week and graduating, and I was like, man, I ain't got no three stripes. I would love my three stripes, but I was like, I don't want to pay that money. I don't want to pay that, but there's something inside of me that says, you know what? I want to be the best I can be. If, if I could go further, I want to go further. It's just how I'm designed. And so I'm wrestling with it myself. I don't want to feel like I'm stagnant. I don't want to feel like I cannot go forward anymore. I don't even want to be in a relationship with an individual that I'm stagnant in. I've been married 14 years, and the one thing I love about my marriage is no matter what, we continue to grow. I learn something new about her every day, every year. We, we just, we continue to grow, and I didn't understand it. I thought we would get old and it wouldn't be the same, but it, it just continues to grow. She's a new person because I'm not shackled to her. I'm serving with her. I'm living with her. And we, we are growing in this thing together. Many of us, we have allowed our silence to stun our growth. The next thing that I need you to understand is the reason why you don't want to be silent is because it hinders your impact. You don't want to be silent because it will hinder your impact. I want to make sure you understand. Look at Simon Peter's life. If he would have remained silent, he never would have grew to be the person that was able to share the gospel and encourage thousands of others to become which means that his growth is what led to their impact. Can I suggest that God needs you to grow so that you can impact more? Can I help you understand that? That God needs you to grow. That's good, ain't it? God needs you to grow so that you can impact more. He wants you to impact more. I said more. More people. He wants you to make a difference. But many of us, we will never reach the point where we can make that impact because we have not allowed the shift to keep us from being stunted, to keep us from being shackled in place, to keep us from growing spiritually. You, have, you always look at people, I'm saying you, just using it generically, and wonder, how did they get so blessed? How are God doing so, so many things? Maybe it's because they have not allowed themselves to be silent. You, you might see, okay, I serve like them on Sunday, but what are you doing Monday through Saturday? What do you look like then? Or, are you one of those people that 
that, that just, just worry about everybody else and don't even focus on what God has asked you to do. You know everybody else's business, but you don't know what God has asked you to do. Many of us struggle because we've allowed ourselves to be silent and we're not growing spiritually, which means we're not impacting physically. This is why things are not changing. The Bible tells us that you will know them by the fruit that they bear. You call it judging. We call it observing. God has said you will know them by the fruit that they bear. You should have some fruit that is produced from you, good or bad. Because of how you serve, because of what you're willing to share. If you're producing no fruit, then it lets me know that you're not sharing. You're not sharing. And so we've understood that silence stunts us. We understood that silence hinders us. Another principle that we understand uh, from the shackles is that we understand that our silence allows failure to manifest in our lives. It allows failure to manifest in your life. Failure is not a possibility until you allow it to be. That's, that's the truth. Failure is not a possibility until you allow it to be. Oh, no, Pastor, failure is always a part. No, 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 no. You didn't read your Bible like I read my Bible. My Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I, I kind of wish they probably would have wrote that different and probably put, weapons that form against you shall not prosper. Because it sounds a little different. It lets me know that there will be weapons formed against me. But even though they form against me, they will not prosper. See, some of us reading it the old school way, we see that, oh, we're going to prosper because no weapons are going to form. No, 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 no. And the reason we fail, because when weapons form, we like, oh, that ain't what the Bible said. This must not be for me. Let me go back. No, 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 no. We need to face life like Superman when there's no kryptonite around. It does not matter what you throw at me, what you shoot at me. I'm going to walk straight into this thing with confidence, power, and authority because I know although it's there, the joke is on you. It can't do anything to me. It cannot do anything to me because no weapon will form against me. Many of us have accepted failure. I, I want you to, please come closer. I want you to really understand what I'm telling you right now. Nobody has made you fail except yourself. Yeah. Your marriage, your job, your finances. If we can really be honest, nobody has made you fail except yourself. I joked, uh, and I used to tell my wife all the time when I got with her, I wasn't joking about being fine back then. I was fine. I, I got with her. I was 180 pounds. Everything was right. I ain't had nothing to worry about. And uh, I joked w about her that she made me fat. She did that. She wanted to make sure I ate, wanted to make sure that I was fed. She used to call me, uh, no offense if anybody experiences lifestyle, she called me a crackhead. That's what she called me. She said, you look like a crackhead, and you need some meat on your bones. And so as I grew, I said, okay, you made me this way. And so that was my excuse over and over. You made me fat. You did this, and now you want me to get back in shape. I was perfectly fine 14 years ago. You did this to me. Recently starting this workout and everything, I had to come to terms. No, Chris, you did this to yourself. You love the taste of food. You love getting things quick and fast and moving on. You love eating late at night and going to sleep. You did it to yourself. The biggest thing that led to my change, me beginning this process of changing, and expect, it's accepting the fact nobody else did it to me. The reason why that was so important is because once I accept the fact that nobody else did it to me, 
Now I know who to deal with to fix it. Many of us have experienced failures in our lives, but the reality is that we did it to ourselves. We want to blame people for our relationships failing, but can I suggest that maybe your relationship failed because you got with somebody that God told you never to get with in the first place? So who's really to blame? You want to blame yourself for failing on the job, but maybe can I suggest that maybe if you woke up a little early and made it to work and clocked in like you were supposed to, your boss wouldn't be picking on you for being late all the time? Cam, I'm not talking about you. I'm just looking at you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Can we take our own ownership and our own failure? Many of us struggle because our silence has allowed us to accept failure. And I walk with Christ. When we don't move forward the way God has asked us to do, we've allowed ourselves to accept the failures that the enemy has presented to us. We've allowed ourselves to accept what he's given us. When we said we don't want to walk in his truth, when we don't want to walk in his promise, we've said that we're willing to accept what the enemy is presenting to us. So we understand that uh, shackles stunt our growth. We understand that shackles hinder our impact. Shackles allow failure to become a possibility. But this is the one thing, if you don't know anything else, why you should not be shackled. It's because shackles count for your blessings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am a firm believer that your silence and being shackled down by the enemy keeps you from experiencing. God has things waiting for you. Yeah. And you can't get what he has over there if you'll never leave here. Can I help you understand that God is trying to elevate you? He's trying to change some things in your life. And he has certain blessings that have been laid out and prepared because he knows the way. He knows the map, but there are some times that you got to understand all day, every day, you got to ignore the tricks of the enemy. If you're not willing to ignore the tricks of the enemy, then what happens, he keeps you right where you are. Eve and Adam are the biggest examples of this. They had the whole world, could do whatever they wanted. All was good. All you had to do was leave one stinky little tree alone. That's all you had to do. You could have built a wall around it. You could have put the tigers and sharks and whatever else you wanted around it and said, whatever I do, I'm just not going to mess with this one tree. Had all the power to do whatever they wanted to do. But instead, they were silent enough, long enough that the enemy got to talk to them. And that's the biggest problem with many of us is that if you're not praying, ooh, this is going to be good. If you're not praying or praising, you have put yourself in a position to allow the enemy to talk. That's real. If you are not allowing praises or prayers to come from your mouth, you have allowed yourself to be quiet just for long enough. I heard an old school pastor call it snakey talk. Where that snake gets to whisper into your ear, and then guess what? He silenced you because now you're not praying, you're not praising, now you're thinking, hmm, well, maybe I won't surely die. Maybe this will work in my favor. Hmm. Maybe I do know a little bit more than God. We've allowed ourselves to be silent enough that he can whisper in our ear. And what he does is he counsels our blessing. Adam and Eve, man, where you at? They were blessed because they did not even know what it meant to be broken. They did not even know what it meant to be dealing with heartache and be ashamed. They were blessed that they didn't have to go through that level of pain. But now they've counseled out their blessing. They counseled out there, but how many blessings have you counseled out? How many blessings have you left 
because you're not willing to be used by God to share, to serve, to honor him in the way that he's asked you to do. This is what we run the risk of of when we say that we're going to allow our silence to shackle us. We counsel out the blessing. God wants to do things for you in amazing ways, but this is the way it goes. You do, you get. He's already done all that he has to do for you by giving you Christ Jesus. Everything else is a bonus. You do and you get. Many of us, the reason why we are not growing is because we've been silent enough that our blessings are being counseled one by one. I wish that we can go to somewhere here on earth and look at how many blessings we've walked out on. It would change everything we've done. How many blessings? I think about it. When I think about it, I think about the children of Israel. How it shouldn't have took even four days to make it through the wilderness, but it ended up taking them 40 years. They were stagnant. They were shackled to a place they wasn't even supposed to be in that long because of the fact that they couldn't get past themselves. They couldn't get on with what God had called them to do. And so God had to allow them to stay there. Matter of fact, God didn't have to allow them. They chose to stay there. It was their decision. I am so tired of us as believers blaming God for not moving forward. All he wants you to do is move forward. All he wants you to do is grow. When can we accept the fact that our silence, our behavior, our unwillingness to serve is the one thing that has caused us to be where we are? Yeah. Silence, the shackles, stunts your spiritual growth, hinders your impact, allows uh, failure to manifest in your life, counsels your blessings. Catch this because I got to let y'all go. It's Mother's Day and I know y'all ready to eat. Here it goes. Silence keeps us in bondage to sin. Our silence is the one thing that can keep us in bondage to sin. The biggest thing about our silence, it allows us to hide. People don't hear us, they can't see us. And so we continue behaviors that we should not do. One of the things I like to share with our men in Bible study, the best thing that you can do is find somebody that you trust enough to confess where you're broken at. That's real talk. If you can find somewhere you trust enough that you can confess where you're broken at, then things be, can I, can I tell you, if I didn't have young Trey challenging me with these, these watches about losing weight, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But I got somebody that he can pick up his watch and see me, so I want to make sure when he see me, he see that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's accountability. It allows me to know that, that somebody else is able to look out. Many of us are dealing with our own sinful natures because nobody else knows about it. We've been silent. We have not went and said, you know what, I'm dealing with this. I'm going through this. And because we're silent, this is what we do. We suffer in our silence. We have not allowed ourselves to be free, and so we're going through things because nobody else knows. Nobody can't check up on what they know. There are a bunch of you that if we had to open the closet, even me, if we had to open some closets, people would be like, man, I don't know what you're doing. Why are you doing? You got issues. Many of us. Because we've been silent about what we're broken at. And our silence is the one thing that keeps us from pushing forward. It keeps us where we are. And so we have to understand, if you want to release yourself from bondage, you got to break those shackles. You have to be willing to speak up. You have to be willing to allow yourself to be sure. The next thing, we got two last and one, and we're ready to go. Next thing that I need you to understand is that your silence leaves you feeling alone. 
When I think about being shackled, I understand that my silence is the one thing that makes me feel. If I ever get to a position in my life in ministry where I feel like I'm by myself, nobody else understands what I'm going through, I, I instantly in that moment, I ask myself, have I shared my thoughts of where I am with anybody else? I, if I'm, in my marriage, if I feel like I'm being alone, if I feel like I'm in this by myself, have I shared with my wife what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing? My daddy would say it like this, a closed mouth can't get fed. Many of us are struggling and we're suffering in silence and we're feeling alone because we will not open our mouth and let somebody else know that, listen, I'm going through this and I really could use your help. Can I help you understand that God never puts you in a place where you're going through something that nobody else has ever already been through? I want to make sure that you understand something. There is nothing new up under the sun. I have been pastoring, and I've seen a person that is struggling with a husband that's dealing with homosexuality, and I've had a person that's on the other side of the room, just got out of a marriage, has overcome, and life is still well, that overcame that exact same situation. One person over here suffering, not knowing how I'm going to make it, how I'm going to get through. Another person over here saying, you know what, God had done it to me. Now, this is the thing. Neither one of them had a problem telling me. But the crazy part is that I'm not the only person that you could talk to about what you're going through. I'm not the only person that you could talk to about what you've overcome. Because the reality is that somebody else needs to hear your story. They need to hear your testimony. So the old church used to do it every Sunday. They would get up. I grew up in that old Baptist slash Kojic Pentecostal wood flow, cut the grass before you get there, change out of your overalls, put on your Sunday suit, and get ready. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I was in that. I was there, and they would get up, giving honor to God, to the head of my life, the, the pastor, the first lady, all the ministers on the roster. I was there, and I would laugh at some of the testimonies that would come out of people's mouth. They would be like, why are y'all saying this crazy backwood stuff? But the reality was that they were not going to allow anything to silence them because they had to remind themselves that somehow I made it over and it was God that done it. And that's how we continue to push forward. And the fact that they had enough boldness to stand in rooms full of people and declare that, yes, I was going through this, but God. Imagine how many people's lives changed. Imagine how many things got better because they were willing to share. They were willing to tell somebody else, I've made it through it. I've done better. And so we have to understand that you don't have to feel alone. But if you remain silent, you have nobody to blame but yourself. People want to include you. They want to involve you. But you have to understand. You have to be willing to open up your mouth. Last principle, understand this, is that when we remain silent, it enables the devil to win. But catch this. He can only win in your life. Because the battle has already been won. Through Jesus Christ. But what you have willingly done is you've allowed him to have victory over your life. Why did you ask God to set you free from him only to allow yourself to be in a better place but still chained to him? It's like being in a relationship with an ex you left and you're trying to move on with this new person, but you won't change your number or get rid of this other person, and you still keep entertaining that other person. How do you really move on? And you get mad at the new person because, y'all, I'm trying. I'm, y'all, you get mad at the new person because they don't want to fool with you and the old person when they didn't ask to have your baggage. You ain't got no babies with them. Why do we have to keep dealing with them? Many of us are struggling. 
as it relates to our relationship with Jesus, because we don't want to let go of everything that he's asked us to let go. This is why his, his word told us, if you really want to follow me, you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross. There are some things you got to look at about yourself and say, you know what, forget it. Self, forget you too. I want to serve God. I want to honor you. You think I am, I'm, I'm grateful for the 15 pounds, but you think I wouldn't love a slab of ribs right now? Self, forget you. Because I know this is going to pay off in the long run. My battle, my life, my serving with God is a long run. God, I want to make an impact for the long run. The reason I tell y'all that we have, to, we have to release these shackles of silence and serve God because we don't know what's next. And I want to share with you guys that you're not the only ones that go through it. I go through it too. I'll tell y'all something that probably only maybe 50% of y'all know, and this is where we'll close on today. At the age of 15, I was arrested to stand trial for robbery. I was sentenced to 10 years in prison, served seven years on a prison sentence. People are already looking at me because nobody knows. Nobody knew. That was my secret. I've already started writing a book from prison to the pulpit. Been working on this book for three years, not able to finish it, not able to finish it. Don't know what's the next chapter. Where am I supposed to go with this? And the reason why I'm sharing this with you guys now, because my struggle has been my story. Everybody loves the Chris that can make people laugh, that can articulate the Bible, that can talk about everything under the sun. But nobody knows the Chris that was ready to pick up a pistol and lay people out. Nobody knows that part of me. But the reality is there's a lot of people that have experienced the same thing. We live in Texas, one of the places that lock up more people than anybody else. There are mamas in this room with sons locked up, and they need to know that there's hope for my son. There's hope for my brother. But because I want to be selfish, because I'm afraid of what people are going to say about me. I want to keep my secret. I don't want nobody to know. And in the same way, I hinder my own blessings. I stand and I preach, but God, I'm scared to allow people to know that God has changed me. If I struggle with sharing my story, I know so many of you struggle with sharing your story. This is our struggle. Some of you have been in abusive relationships. Some of you have been molested. There are things that we've went through, but the grace of God, the love of God, is the one thing that has changed our lives. And if you're not willing to tell people about how God changed your life, how God set you free, what good are you? What good are you if you're not willing to tell God that I am free because he has set me free. Our responsibility is to share the word of God with the people of God. That's all he's asked us to do because I've done something in your life. I need you to help me do something in other people's lives. And as we finished this series, I felt like there was no other way to break the chains than to break my own chains. To be able to declare, you know what? I don't care who I was. I know who I am. You can feel however you feel about me. Maybe I will finish the things that God asked me to do. Maybe the reason I'm stuck is because I've been staying silent for so long, and God really wants me to do more. And if you don't see that, that's not my problem. That's between you and God. There are people in this room that need to be set free today. Your marriage is struggling because of things that you've been silent about. 
your life is struggling because things that happened to you when you were a kid that you've been silent about, but God has set you free. That's all God is asking them to do. When you leave this place, I need you to be set free. I need you to know that I want to do so much more with you. But in order for that to happen, I have to have you being willing to share the gospel, to love people, to tell people, to care enough about me that you're not worried about how inadequate you are yourself, but you are grateful for the fact that I've done something with you and God can do more. So I want to pray for everyone in this room. I want to pray for everybody who is online. God, there are chains that have been holding us down, that have been holding us back. But God, today we say no more. We say no longer will we be silent. No longer will we settle for what the enemy said is good enough. But God, we know that you've called us to do so many great things. And so God, what we're praying right now is that these chains, these shackles, God, we pray that, God, you release us. You give us the confidence to speak up and to speak out, that to be ambassadors of your kingdom, to serve your word. God, let us overcome so that we can be all the things that you have asked us to be. God, I pray for that person who is here that has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they want this experience, they want this change, they've been going through it and they need better. God, let them know that all they have to do is say yes. All they have to do is say yes, and they can have access to eternal life. God, I take this moment to lift up us as believers who have always been struggling. And Lord, we thought we had all the answers because we knew all the words, but the reality is we didn't. God, let us just be obedient to your way and your will. God, and I pray for us as a church, as new people are coming and joining this fellowship, Lord, I am praying that we continue to grow. And that we will continue to share the gospel, that we will understand our first job, our first commission is to share the gospel, to tell about your goodness and to tell about your grace. And we will give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. He is worthy. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at BelieverCity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.